We're back with an all-new episode of the Retail Podcast by Vue.ai. If you're new here, the Retail Podcast features trailblazers who are changing the retail sphere. We've got tech savants, passionate entrepreneurs, leaders at legacy conglomerates, and many such fabulous personas lending their voices to give you a view into the world of retail today. This podcast is one you just don't want to miss. Our guest today is a social entrepreneur and activist, Ronan. His passion to bring about large-scale systemic change goes way back to his days as a youth social entrepreneur who lent his voice at the UNESCO Youth Forum. And today, he's the founder and CEO of Thriftify, an online resale platform based out of Ireland. With Thriftify, he provides powerful digital commerce tech to enable dozens of leading resale and charity retailers to be the leaders of the sustainable fashion revolution. Hi, Ronan. It was absolutely lovely hosting you at Rebel. And now we've gotten the chance to sit you down um, again for this chat. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Great. Shall we get started then? Let's do it. So right. pre-owned, pre-loved, resale, secondhand, second life. It's called by so many names today. Um, but the idea at the core is to step away from fast fashion and do your part in leading the sustainable fashion revolution, right? Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about the journey that led to starting Thriftify? Sure. Well, I think there's a couple of things that are really important from our perspective. And I think the first is what's happening with the climate. So, you know, we've had news recently that uh, there's danger of the Gulf Stream shutting off for the first time in 12 and a half thousand years, which would be catastrophic to uh, weather patterns that billions of people rely on. Uh, we're already seeing catastrophic events all over the world that are directly caused by climate change. And I think that really informs what we do at Thriftify and, and the need for a rapid and fundamental shift in how people uh, consume fashion. So the idea for Thriftify is actually rooted in how can we build an economy that does things quite differently and does things based on circularity. Uh, instead of the linear model where we mainly use oil to make plastic fabrics like polyester, uh, and then 60% of, brand, of, of all new garments are disposed of within the first year of consumption. So we're kind of at the moment, we're making things just to destroy them. And, and it's nonsensical and, and it really has to change if we want to have a sustainable future. And the solution that we've identified is to, is to help those organizations who receive post-consumer textiles to digitize and to sell those garments on multiple different online platforms. So there's a very niche subset of, of uh, industry, which we call charity retail, but is referred to by different names in different markets. In America, it's called thrift stores um, and so on. So these are kind of legacy organizations that have been set up in the 1950s and 60s, sometimes in the 40s, to help clothe people who couldn't access clothing. And what they've inherited now is the vast majority of post-consumer textiles. So in Britain and in Ireland, where we're our, our biggest operation is, our customers are receiving billions of garments every year. And they're selling those garments through physical retail stores. And right. what we're saying is, the demand is there among the consumer for used garments and actually the need for a, a shift in the accessibility and the economics in terms of the, the fashion industry is also really fundamentally required. And how can we help you to achieve that and be the leaders of that using digital technology? So we build digital technology that, that helps them uh, scale and really move from legacy industries that really haven't had a lot of 
technical or digital sophistication into some of the most digitally sophisticated organizations out there, uh, leveraging the best in class technology to become the leaders of, of a new economic model for how people uh, consume fashion. Well, that's great. And these are some interesting points, Ronan. Um, you know, I think secondhand shopping and thrifting have become increasingly popular as people look for ways to reduce their personal contribution to fashion-related waste. But what's interesting is that with Thriftify, you just don't find fashion-related products, but you also find books, media, bric-a-brac. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Because I find it really interesting. Yeah, well, the funny thing is that, you know, when we look at the used goods economy, fashion is, is a really big part of it, but it, it, it goes down into so many other uh, categories. So furniture, for example, is, is a huge issue um, in terms of, you know, when people are moving house or people get rid of furniture, there's a lot of very high quality furniture, which is just being dumped and disposed of. And again, a lot of those furniture products are made up of uh, plastics or unsustainable materials which are just going into landfill. So the whole spectrum really of products uh, is being donated to the to these kind of to our customers and we're talking about everything you can imagine from jewelry electronics uh, homeware kids wear furniture uh, you name it these organizations are receiving it and receiving a, a really vast array of categories fashion is by far the biggest but but it's by no means limited to fashion and yeah that presents a real challenge because Firstly, and particularly with, with fashion, it's a similar challenge. Understanding the value of something is very, very difficult, uh, particularly if, you're, if your organization is, a, is receiving hundreds of millions of unique products every year. You know, to build the level of expertise that would be required or even the, the manpower required to price everything individually is just not possible. So that's one of the problems that, that our technology helps to solve is, is, to, is to help with that valuation and pricing piece. Wow, that's incredible. And I think, especially in today's social, political and literal climate, it's absolutely crucial that all retailers look at a more cyclical approach to their business. And yours definitely um, helps them achieve that. Um, we're curious to understand, um, how does Thriftify work in helping businesses and individuals take a more sustainable route? Yeah, absolutely. Well, well I think the key message that we have is that a sustainable and, and a different economic future is not one in which purely the production of goods is circular or the consumption of goods is circular. But we really believe that the financial model and incentive should be circular as well. So there's a kind of a myth at the moment, and, and, and it worries me because I don't think a lot of people are actually serious about taking the change or making the, this, the leaps that are required to build what we need to overcome the climate crisis, which is a new economic model. We just, we, we cannot keep going with a growth-based mindset and expect that this can help to deliver continuously. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's, it, it's how cancers operate is, is growth for growth's sake. And, and right now our economic model is cancerous. So we believe in a future where the, not only uh, is the consumption and, and, and the, the consumption of goods and the production of goods circular, in terms of how they're accessed um, and reused, but actually the organizations receiving the benefit from that should be using that money and profit circularly. So in our model, almost exclusively, our customers are not-for-profits. And what they're doing with the money that we're helping them to generate is, is investing in a, a wide remit of 
social benefit and social good. And a lot of these organizations are going to need substantially increased funding to address the challenges that we're already seeing from climate change. So that's kind of the model that, that we talk about is, is not just changing how people shop, but also changing why people shop and making cause and impact the core uh shopping journey as opposed to purely price and convenience that's absolutely amazing being one of the biggest resale platforms of charity shops as you commonly refer to it in ireland and with plans of expansion into the uk scaling at this pace must come with a great challenge um what are they and how are you tackling them yeah, definitely. There's always a lot of challenges. I mean, we're, we've launched in Britain um, about a year and a half ago. So the operation in Britain now is, is actually quite large and, and soon it'll be larger than the operation in Ireland, substantially larger. Um, and, and yeah, there's a lot of challenges. I think, you know, as a startup and, and in the early stages, funding and financing is always the biggest challenge. And, and particularly in an Irish context where maybe venture capital funding isn't as prevalent as it would be in the States or, or even in London. Right. Um, and then, you know, even in a, in a British context or a European context, there's, there's more funding available to, to startups in the US than there would be um, in Europe. And there's also more of an understanding, I think, there that startups need cash to learn. And they don't necessarily need cash to grow. Uh, and sometimes startups, and a lot of times they get it wrong, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're not a, a good startup. And I think what we have definitely had to do a job on is convincing our investors that we're building a solution that's going to disrupt an entire industry. And that's going to take us time to achieve product market fit. And you need to stick with us. And now, thankfully, they've really seen the vision and, and they've seen the progress. And, and we have managed to achieve product market fit. And and really what the challenge now is, is, is building is building in scale. Um, but that's a really exciting challenge. You know, it feels more like a day job than, uh, than it used to running a startup. It feels much more, we're, we're definitely now a scale up, uh, which is much more exciting and much more fun because there's less stress, there's less pressure. And, and it's much more about implementation of process um, across the entire organization. So that's by far the biggest challenge. It's not a small challenge or it's not easier, uh, but it's, it's different. And, and I think I find it more enjoyable. Brilliant. Any successful e-commerce website must contain a well-tagged and attributed catalog to ensure a seamless shopping experience, right? And to also help a user to find what they are looking for effortlessly. With a moving inventory that has items that are in singular units in most cases uh, with you, we can imagine that this can be quite the task. How are you using technology and AI in specific to do this at scale? Yeah, it, it's an absolutely enormous challenge. And, and you think of, you know, our organizations, we have we have single customers who are receiving hundreds of millions of garments a year. And, and how do they not only understand what items they're getting, but then decide which ones to sell online? And then when they've decided which ones to sell online, how do they attribute and list those effectively? And you can imagine the level of work that's involved. So really what what we decided to do was was to be at the, to try and be at the cutting edge in terms of building innovation and scalability into this and we looked did an international search really and, and also examined the potential of building our own machine learning algorithm to help with this but i think what we've what we've realized is that you know the importance of data in this market and in, in solving these solutions is absolutely critical and unless you have a very very strong and robust data set it's going to be very hard to build a machine learning algorithm to, to optimize or, or do anything for you and i think what we've really benefited from is the technology that, that view provides and also 
based on its its substantial data set. So we're able to now leverage views artificial intelligence to do all of the attribution uh, for those garments uh, in multiple languages um, across multiple channels. And that really facilitates then not only our customers um, uh, understanding what they have uh, in terms of the throughput of garments uh, and listing them for sale online, but what we're also now starting to do is help them to predict because uh, you're never going to scan 100 million garments, right? You know, you're, they're not going to photograph 100 million garments a year. But if they scan or, or photograph a, a percentage of that, what we can start to do is work with them to understand um, using that data uh, to extrapolate what the rest of the donations look like. And that becomes very, very powerful because now we're able to start commercializing all of the volume much more effectively. We're able to start advising on what kind of fabrics, categories, um, all kinds of different um, subsets or attributes we should be optimizing for across their supply chain. And that's a very, very powerful piece of work because it enables us to start building uh, solutions which were otherwise completely inaccessible to this industry. And we're only scratching the surface with that. So it's a really, really exciting um, time for, for that kind of the implementation of that technological innovation. And I think what we're going to see over the next year or two is exponential disruption in the fashion space based on technology such as uh, views, machine learning algorithms. Right. That's amazing to hear, Ronan. And I think it's safe to say that I'm still in awe of the abundance of capabilities and use cases that AI can power. Yeah, it's incredible. And I think I think it's it's really exciting. It's also, you know, it, it's going to make everything faster and going to make everything more efficient. So that's positive and negative because it will make disinformation more, more, more effective. It will make challenges to democratic functions uh, potentially more challenging. It will make marketing better. Um, it's also having major innovations across medicine and all kinds of innovations. But I think it's, I think it's quite important that legislators catch up um, and make sure that from a legislative perspective, we're really making sure we don't fall into the same trap that we've fallen into with some of the damages that the major social media companies have have implemented across mental health and 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 self harm among particularly young people and particularly in the states. So yeah, it's an incredibly exciting time, and I think it, it's only going to keep going in one direction in terms of the exponential applications and benefits um, of what this technology can deliver. And I think it, what we what we're really excited by is, is the potential applications in a way that can really transform the fashion industry for the better. Wow, that's incredible. Thank you for sharing these points with us. And uh, we're definitely looking forward to seeing the future of this collaboration. So tell us this, what's next on the cards for Thriftify? Where do you see yourself investing in tech in the future? Yeah, well, we're doing a lot. I mean, I think so what our technology does at the moment is it helps our users to um, price, do attribution, and then do omni-channel listing, as well as the fulfillment and merchandising. So there's quite a lot that the technology is doing at the moment. And, and I think one of the exciting things, uh, well, there's a couple of exciting things. I think, firstly, the the possibilities of dynamic channel listing, I, I'm quite interested in. So, you know, listing things, differently on different marketplaces, depending on how people engage with those marketplaces. So for example, on Depop, you might list something with emojis and a more 
uh, engaging or youthful description than you will on eBay. Um, and that's something I'm quite interested in and how we solve that. I think one of I think one of the biggest challenges though, and, and, and this is something that you know is going to take a lot of innovation. I know there's a lot of people working on this challenge, but particularly for for marketplaces and because and, we also have our own marketplace, direct to consumer marketplace. When you have a marketplace with uh, hundreds of thousands of unique garments, how do you optimize for the shopper? And I think that's a that's a really important challenge to solve because if we want to compete with the fast fashion industry, they already know exactly what kind of garments to sell to their particular demographics of customers. And I think what's important for us in, in the in the pre-love industry is to say is to start building innovations that give customers on the first time they come to that landing page or as soon as possible that optimize for their size, optimize for their preferences, optimize for their patterns, colors, price points, and do all of that optimization in a way that that really benefits the customer from the immediate first uh the immediate first hit on a on a on a product page or a category page. So that's a real challenge, um, but one that I don't think is impossible to solve. Um, and one that I think if we can solve, actually, you know, we start to, we start to win on, on multiple levels um, in terms of the, the experience that our shoppers have versus what they have on a, on, a, on a new fashion retailer's website. So that's definitely one of the big pieces that we want to work on. We're also then working on quite a lot, quite a lot of other innovations across um, particularly you know, our interest in, in the volume side of the game. Uh, and, and helping our organizations and customers to start getting a lot more efficient in how they commercialize their volume instead of just selling it by the weight. So there's a lot of work we need to do on that. And there's a lot of work we want to do on the customer facing side of things as well. So, you know, we don't yet have our own customer facing app that's under development. And I think there's space in the market for something very innovative there as well. So yeah, uh, we have a lot of, a lot of competing uh, interests, shall I say, and and, and planning our, product roadmap is is always a fun and and lively debate amongst the team. Mm -hmm. That's lovely, Ronan. And it was incredible to hear all of these. And we wish you the best in this journey. And uh, I believe we've reached the end of this podcast. Um, Ronan, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Any final remarks or thoughts you'd like to leave our audience with today? Yeah, no, just to say thanks very much for the time. And I think it's, I think, you know, what I'd love to, to do is, is invite people to reach out to us um, to visit us at thriftify.com uh, uh, and also to reach out to me on LinkedIn, which would be great. I'm, I'm really interested in hearing how other people have maybe solved or embraced some of the same challenges that we're looking to embrace and any possible collaborations. Amazing. So we'll be back with more episodes of the Retail Podcast by Bureau AI. Don't miss out on this immersive journey through the future of retail. Find the Retail Podcast by Bureau AI on our website or wherever you listen to your podcast and stay on top of the game. Until next time, I'm your host, Kritika Anand. Bye.